Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Uncut Feed. This is your co-host, Alex, the card stallion, flanked by... What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Fat Snacks Cards, also known as Jordan Silverberg, and I am so excited for this episode today, Alex. Let's go. You sound like uh, you one of those like pillow talk guys on like late night am or fm radio hello everybody hope you're listening and uh enjoying your slumber i just want to play the latest song all right i'm done (laughs) (laughs) and now your sports card nerd topics right we've got (laughs) fotl top series two which we are actually going to talk about uh, yes, couple, we are. Couple of recent um, drops. Yep, one of Top's most recent drops. I, um, as known as your ro- local degenerate and resident degenerate, I also am a series one and two and update fanatic. Uh, but uh, yeah, I love Top's flagship. It's always been near and dear to my heart. Series two just dropped. And uh, we actually got the checklist on the screen for you guys so you can see. And uh, But, yeah, it's just a banger product. You will be chasing some of the biggest parallels. Um, I know Chromium cards are near and dear to a lot of people's hearts. But to me, the reason Flagship just speaks to me and the collector and myself is it feels traditional But it has its modern twist. There's something about a paper card, pulling it from the pack, knowing that those cards, like anyone who's ripped flagship, I'm not a flagship. I'm not joking. You can ding or bend or put a fingernail in. These cards are easy to screw up. So ripping a card from a pack, getting a big hit, and then sending it in and getting a good grade, there's something just ultra nostalgic and uh it just feels really good so it's always resonated with me and i just love the product how do you feel about it alex do you you just mentioned basically quality control it'd be easy to screw these up but when it comes to quality control let's compare the two panini prism i would say panini prism is the flagship for prism the uh the panini brand i'm sorry um, compared to flagship tops baseball, honestly, when it comes down to quality control, like tops just has it. You don't really oh, it's it. hands down, and there's errors with tops. Don't get me wrong. I mean, people oh. will go, What about tops chrome? Them forgetting, like, yes, there's mistakes, but hand for hand, I'll any day of the week, you rip a hobby box, I rip a hobby box, and let's just. You know, you can not talk about design. Let's not talk about, let's just talk about the quality of the card and the control. It's night and day, but But we are comparing paper to, to foil foil cards, which foil cards are much tougher to damage and stuff like that. So the quality control is very frustrating on that end because, Mm -hmm. you know, on a chromium card, you don't have to worry as much. So it's like, just print these things semi-centered, you know, Don't have a bunch of airs or dimples in them. I know this is easier said than done, and I'm just kind of, you know, talking from an outside perspective. But as a customer and a collector, that's kind of what we've grown to expect and want. 
But pretty quickly, I'm just going to go over some of the stuff real quick. Yeah, what so can we find in there? In Series 2, you're chasing, and they have it in red. This is also uh, Beckett's checklist. Highly okay. recommend checking out their website. And for checklists, they do a very, very good job. So you can see that right up top. Um, that's how you check it out. But for the checklist, you're chasing Jordan Walker. You're chasing James Outman. Corbin Carroll and Anthony Volpe. Those are the main rookie chases in this set. Some of the bigger parallels usually, and the ones that I know are highly, highly collectible. The vintage stock out of 99 is highly collectible. The independence day is highly collectible. The black out of 72 mm -hmm. is one of the most popular parallels. There's a lot of black collectors out there, meaning they only collect the black parallel from these sets. Like it's a very, very sought after. I think it was in the first um, line of flagship also, like when they started making parallels and stuff. So people like that. The Father's Day and the Mother's Day are both out of 50, extremely sought after. The Memorial Day camo out of 25. These clears are newer and they're hobby only. So it's cool because there's a hobby and a jumbo. The hobby box, you're not guaranteed a rookie auto. Um, mm -hmm. It's either a rookie or not even a rookie auto. It's either an auto or a patch card. But in the jumbo boxes, you're guaranteed an auto and one patch card. And sometimes if you're super, super lucky that patch card could also be an auto. So you're guaranteed one auto in a jumbo, but in a hobby, it's a little bit more gambling. But the price point on these boxes, that's another thing we should talk about, Alex. That's something that I really enjoy about flagship. So I talked about kind of the old school and new school combining of it, but also something that is so nice is you can hit these massive cards short print cards, really cool stuff of the top rookies and a sought after product because flagship is sought after, but also for a very, very, very affordable price. So, you know, that's what makes this price or product so enticing to me and something I like. I mean, they have amazing autos. I'm just blabbing, but I'm going to go on a little bit longer. They have these amazing autos. Some of my favorite stuff is uh the reverence i'm pretty sure it's in this set they're pat true yeah true patch autos these are true rookie patch autos most of the time are game used they're either out of five or out of one one they axed it down there used to be out of tens now they're only out of five and in one ones these are true rookie patch autos that are game used i mean if you look at a product like dynasty those cards go for an arm and a leg. Look at this checklist. I mean, Aaron Nola, Andrew Vaughn, Cody Bellinger, Eloy Mendez, Tatis, Soto, uh, Chapman. You'll have every single oh, rookie in this set. Uh, I mean, Wade Boggs, Spencer Torkelson, uh, Aaron Judge, Rutschman, Rizzo. It goes on. Bobby Witt, Harper. These are all game-used patch autos. Nice one card um so to me it's just it is gambling there is a lot of like it's not easy to hit, hit big hits in this i will be very honest it's extremely tough because it's there's a ton of it printed and the rare cool stuff is so far and in between but 
for anywhere from a hundred bucks, probably a hobby box. I mean, hundred to one to one twenty there around there. Series to twenty twenty three hobby. I mean, ninety bucks for a hobby box. Oh wow! Two fourteen for a jumbo. I mean, think about it. Yeah, that's my point. Like, I'm gonna shut down the screen now, but mm -hmm. it's just—it's such a fair value. It feels extremely fun. It's—it's it's cool to rip by yourself. It's cool to rip with the kids. Yeah. Um, it just is a no-brainer to me. Flagship uh, is always a no-brainer, and I love the product every year. This is um, definitely I one of those. About it. This is definitely one of those sets that, um, it, it's like the starter, the ultimate starter set. If you're a baseball fan or you just want to get into cards, this is 100%. definitely because you always know that there's going to be some kind of inserts that you're going to pull. Nothing probably amazing unless you're buying like a case or at least a few hobby. It's boxes. very hard. Exactly. Get. It's not easy. That's the thing. Like, don't be like people. I'll be like, yo, this product's amazing because. It is. There's so much stuff in there. For a hundred bucks, you could hit cards that are five thousand dollars plus, easy. But the thing is, is the odds of that are so slim to none because it's a highly printed product. It's their flagship product. There's tons of base cards, tons and tens and tens of thousands of base cards. Yeah. So it's just spread out so far between. But I think that's what makes it fun. For a hundred bucks, I can gamble. I might not hit anything, or I might hit a Jordan Walker rookie black auto, and I just hit the lottery, or a Revenants Soto one of one, or a Aaron Judge Revenants one of one on card. Like you never know. So that's the fun of it. I'm looking at a Shohei Otani clear out of ten from Series Two on eBay right now. Ultra rare card. It's a, it's a eight out of ten. It's got the foil stamping on the top left in gold, it appears to be. It's either gold or yeah, silver. Yeah, those are unbelievably rare cards. The clear I think out it's of gold, but, you know, quality is great. It is it is acetate, which I love acetate yeah, cards. Yeah, so cool. And these are newer. Tops recently added these in. Yep. Um, how much is that? How much is he asking? It's got four days and six hours left. It looks like they just put a no reserve, zero, zero start on what it. What is it's it at? $125.50 with four days. So that's probably going to 3X. That's going to go probably to $1,000, I bet. I'm not yeah. even trolling. Oh, yeah. I bet he's a different breed. Yeah, he's got he's got that fan base. I would definitely agree with And him. those cards are highly collectible and kind of like the black collectors that I was talking mm -hmm. about. There mm -hmm. are now guys who are clear. There's For flagship, it's not just the black parallels. There's a lot yeah. of guys who focus on collecting a certain parallel, either it be the Mother's years. Day out of 50 uh, the Father's Day blue out of 50, the Independence Day, the clear, whatever it may be, they want one of whatever player from every year. So now there are clear hunters too. So those are extremely sought after, and there's only 10 of them. So awesome. once they're gone, they're gone. Shout out Tops, man. They really do it right with baseball year after year. Shout and, out to uh, Flagship. Yep. Um, tops, hit us up. We freaking love you. I love Flagship. Man, uh, yeah, flagship just it really does it for me. It shouts to my collector. Um, I love how it crosses old school and new school and kind of pays homage. Um, yeah, I've just forever been a flagship simp, 
and I love what they do. Tops, keep doing your thing and reach out to us. <laughs> Jordan wants to make sweet, sweet love to a case of top series. Two. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Um, Jordan, have you ever cracked a slab? I have not ever cracked a slab. I've seen people do it, but never done it. Okay. Yeah. Me personally, I've cracked two slabs. I just wanted to see what it was like, how hard it was. Um, it was two common cards. I can't even remember, but it was two common cards. Um, what was the difficulty to you? For me, uh, so I ended up using like tape and I used tin snips. Scale of one to 10, I'd say probably like an eight out of 10 for the okay. PSA. Beckett was worse. Beckett the, the, the <laughs> was like a 10 out of 10 because of the way the top piece sinks into that like tray like bottom piece. So I did the same thing, tape, tin snips, and dude, it was all over the place. The card was fine, but it was just, I didn't cut myself or anything, but I imagine a lot of people have. Yeah, but 100%. The reason why I'm asking is uh, because uh, Jason Coons of Otia Sports, uh, he recently uploaded, I think it was just yesterday, the 14th, a uh, video of him cracking some 89 score Barry Sanders rookies, you know, the green ones. Of course. Um, they were all, it looked like there were, a lot of them were just PSA 9s, um, just cracking a PSA 9 after PSA 9 after PSA just 9. Just cracking those things. I mean, every 10 seconds, 8 to 10 seconds, he was cracking a new one. He knew exactly where to pinch it on the top right corner, would uh, then take the screw, the flathead screwdriver, give it a turn, and then pull that sucker out. Card went in a pile and then discarded the uh, the slab, the empty So slab. this dude's a freaking pro. Oh, he's probably broken thousands and thousands and thousands of cards, no doubt. You could tell. Now, that was PSA. I ended up commenting, all right, now make a video of you cracking a BGS one because, man, BGS is <laughs> a freaking beast. You're like, all right, enough with the minor league. Let's see when it comes to the real brass tax, what's going on over here. <laughs> right. Let's like, go. Let's I see wanna see. That, that so it, it just pretty much he's just cracking slabs left and right. Is that for promotion for his grading service or what is he doing? You just oh, think I don't think it was. I think uh so the next day, I think it was maybe yesterday or later in that day, uh he was actually prepping. Uh, cards to get signed by Barry, I suppose, wherever he was at. He must have had a deal where Barry was coming in to sign all of those uh, 89 score rookies. Now, one good thing that you can say about this, one, pretty impressive, by the way. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, That's what I'm staring at, by the way. Yeah, uh, man, unbelievable. This guy is cracking slabs, to Alex's point, in 15 seconds flat at, at bare minimum, just – in and out. This dude's a freaking wizard. Don't Jeez. leave him around your slabs. Hide your slabs. Hide your wife. He cracked it. <laughs> so it's a good thing that he he basically bought all of these PSA nine score, uh, eighty nine score Sanders rookies because there are so many counterfeit ones out there. So if he were to buy loose ones, then he would be messing with the fact that you know, okay, someone shows one picture on eBay, sends a different thing, pulls the switcheroo, that old thing. There's just so many counterfeit ones out there. It's paper, right? It's essentially a paper rookie. Yeah. And um, older school cards are easier to counterfeit. So the great thing is he bought up a bunch of PSA 9s, put them in a stack, you know, popped them all out, is getting them autoed, and then sending them off to get authenticated. So he knows that there's going to be no road bumps. Um, I hope not. And in, in, in whatever his plans are to do with those, maybe I'll go buy one of those things. Beautiful. Um, but 
yeah, little little bit of a uh, little bit of cool hobby um, videos that we uh, that we saw there with uh, well, that's Jason pretty Bird. funny. Just a little note. Mm hmm. But uh, moving on, I recently saw a post on Instagram where someone posted a just one of those like almost perverted like double meaning cards. It was a Brian Edwards. I believe he was drafted by the Raiders wide receiver. I think he's with Atlanta now, maybe. Um, but okay. he had played college football for the South Carolina Gamecocks. And I think this was collegiate football immaculate. Um, the patch cards where it'll be like a border of the player. And then it'll be like, a you know, sometimes it's kind of like a napkin right in the middle. But sometimes you get things like, all right. This one said Cox right in the middle, C-O-C-K-S. Now, obviously, they took it from Game Cox because that's of course. what they are, the South Carolina Game Cox. But, yeah, someone, whoever's manufacturing it, just put Cox in it so it goes in that Hall of Fame realm of, uh, of, of whatever you want, phallic cards or dirty cards, double-meaning cards. And Panini has a history of this, as we know. I mean, we've all seen the famous Ronda Rousey card. Oh, yeah. in, in her ass. Ronda in her Rousey. ass when it really says first in her class. But Correct. the red part, it's it's like gold. It's like gaudy gold. But then in red, if you just read the letters in red, it's in her ass. So it's a Ronda Rousey card that with a patch of like fabric she wore. And it says in her ass. And they're very popular because it's like, Obviously, they're very cool cards. They're low and they're numbered rare, but it's also very goofy. I feel like I my dream is that Panini knows what they're doing and they're kind of <laughs> pushing in a little bit of humor and fun and they have making it fun for the collectors. I don't know if that's the case or not, but man, I hope it is because it's really funny to think that there's people over there who have a good sense of humor and are just, you know, giving right. the collectors a little bit of goofiness here and there. And we love it. I mean... Cards like that, you can say what you want. You can say, oh, it's stupid, or they sell well. People like them. And uh, to the Gamecocks thing, it's like it's their logo anyway. So it's like it is what it is, but it's also funny, you know? Bill Cox card. Yep. <laughs> All right. Uh, moving on to – there's NFL free agents that are – there are very many. Hello. But the three that stick out right now. Um, are Zeke, De DeAndre Hopkins, and Dalvin Cook. Mm. Do you think any of them will get picked up? I think Dalvin will. I think DeAndre Hopkins will. Dalvin definitely will. Zeke. Yeah. So Hopkins feels like there has to be a team. Like, I understand he's not primetime Hopkins anymore. Right. But I still has freaking talent. You're not telling me that Hopkins – isn't good enough to be on an NFL roster. I just, mm -hmm. I refuse to believe that at this point in his career, maybe a couple of years from now, like there's like younger, like there has to be a spot for Hopkins in the league. Calvin feels like it, it it's going to happen any minute or, or cook or Dalvin cook. It's going to happen. It feels like he's the Zeke is a weird scenario because it's just, he has talent and I feel like he deserves to, to be on some type of roster. Um, is it a money thing with Zeke? I, I haven't been keeping up to date. Is he being greedy right now? Or teams just feel like. He declined really fast. 
And there's been some recently, there's been some strong NFL drafts the last two to three years. I mean, we're seeing running backs be picked a little bit higher all of a sudden again. Like there's there's these bell cows that are coming out. Like Atlanta just uh, picked up Bijan uh, Robin, Robinson. Yeah, Bijan. Um, he he's a three he's a three down back. Like it's just these new guys are taking jobs, and the quality of the last two three years of these running backs are have gone up tremendously. So what they pay rookie contracts and they can get rid of their vets and cut their vets and save money. And we see guys be able to fall farther now with ultimate talent, meaning like Mm -hmm. it used to be just a couple of years ago, people would like we just as of recent, we've had guys who are so good that teams have been taking them in the first and second round. But we've seen in these last couple of years, you can get absolute bona fide stars in the third round, fourth round fifth round. So (laughs) that too, I guess, but yeah, I just feel like when I hear all three of those names, I know they're all a little bit past their prime. Even Dalvin, uh, I don't think he's like Pat, but like he's getting, is how old is he? 28? Yeah. He's gotta be like 27, 28. I I don't know exactly, but he's getting, he's getting right around to that number. But I feel like if you told me like there has to be a spot for when it, but I'm also curious do they want to just play in the league? Because there's guys who just want to play and will take a job anywhere at this point in their career. And there's guys who want to, there's guys who want to be in the league and make sure that they're on a winning competitive team. So, yeah, I think there's just a lot of spots where like guys will want to be in the league and they'll just take any sort of job. And then there's guys who are like, no, I want to be on a competitive team. I might be past my prime, but I'm not here just to play. I've done what I wanted to. If I'm going to be in the league, I want to compete at some level. doesn't need to be the top tier Super Bowl contender, but I'm not coming to uh, whatever freaking shitty team you want to say and be – a nobody irrelevant just to collect checks. I'm past that. Right. Point yeah. There's transitions that players go through. Like obviously when they're, when they're the rookie, they're expected to almost be that dude, you know, that guy that's about to take over, if not take over. And then, yeah, you have your, your, your kind of stardom years between year three and five. And then after year five, I mean, if you're not like a hall of famer or predicted hall of famer by then, then there's the transition where, oh, shoot, well, my replacement just got drafted. So I either need to speak up, go to another team, or I'm essentially going to be training the new guy, right, to take over. Yep. And some guys, you know, they have that ego where they're like, you know, screw this. I don't want to train the new guy. I'm still that guy. And uh, then there are other guys who are like, well, maybe I can fit in on this team. And, and help be a vet and be a leader and teach and, and stuff like that. It's it's a very w- wicked world, the way that uh, football can turn so quick between one yes. season and another. Um, but the three, the three uh, current um, top pro- – or uh... <laughs> Where's my card? There it is. Uh, free agents. The, the three free agents that we had mentioned, uh, Zeke, D-Hop, Dalvin. So the rumors are that Dalvin is going to join the Miami Dolphins, um, which, Woo! yeah. Because that offense needs more weapons, right? <laughs> right. 
they plug him yeah, in and man stay healthy right and that's right. a whole other conversation for our audience that we can have as we get yeah. closer how ethically we feel about certain guys playing when there's so much danger but man if Tua can stay healthy that team fuck man yeah. Miami has something really brewing down there yeah they do um D hop rumors have been the Bills uh the Ravens I even heard rumblings of the Lions I don't want the Lions to grab him because... think he's a fit with the Lions I think with the Bills or uh who Ravens. Ravens Ravens with Lamar I think Lamar always could use more help he just and having a veteran guy like that where like that's also what D Hop brings like D Hop I feel like is one of those veterans where like he's 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 got his shit together and I feel like yeah. he'll bring a real veterans mentality and get some of those guys in line I think either of those spots I don't know if I like him in Detroit but I'm also biased because fuck Detroit I want the Bears to win I just don't want them because I know D Hop, like he's definitely still a starter in the league. He's a possession receiver, starter, um, can can out jump anybody in the league still. Um, yeah. but he I think right now the issue is he's demanding money. He's he wants at least well, I he think, wants to be eight paid. To 10. I don't want the Lions to spend eight to ten on a wide receiver. I don't. Jameson Williams. Especially an aging wide receiver. An aging wide receiver, exactly, who was suspended half the season last year, right? So, yeah. and then uh, going back over to Zeke, like Zeke, he's literally got to find this little role. Like he's really slowed down. What has to happen is it needs to be an injury to basically a goal line guy because he's not a uh, he's not an RB one anymore. He's an RB two. He he's not you know you don't hand it to him on first or second down. He's probably more of just a goal line guy. So someone I has to get hurt, and yeah. he's got to take over the goal line situations. No, that's exactly – to piggyback, I feel like that's where Zeke is. He needs somewhere where you don't need him to burst off for six yards first down, and you probably won't use him a second down, but he can be like a third down or – because he's still a hard runner. Zeke is yeah. still uh, a fourth down, maybe like a pinch situation. Short but yard. like where he can be utilized as just – a. You know, you put him in, he's situational. He's a situ, like, he's still good enough where you're like, hey, I need you to do this, this one play. And he has enough energy. He just can't do it for a full game anymore. So I yeah. feel if you're like, hey, Zeke, can you give us 15 good runs a game? He'll be like, no problem. But if you want him to be RB1, that's just, uh. He's just had too many carries early on in his career, dude. Like the Cowboys rode on him, and he had. And Ohio State, he ran yeah. a lot too. That's yeah. what people. He's been. He, that kid has been running his yeah. ass off for a while. So yeah, yeah I he, hear it. He was eating, wasn't he? Remember that? Oh, he was eating, baby. <laughs> but I love Zeke. I'm yeah. a diehard fan, Buckeye fan, all that. But uh, yeah, I think his better days are past him, unfortunately. Yep. All right. Moving on from the NFL. Moving on from the NFL to the NBA. We have the uh, Nuggies. The Denver Nuggets just won the championship. Congratulations. Shout out to the Nuggets. Um, they had their parade today, 6-15 Thursday. Um, and I saw a clip of uh, Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Someone threw a couple of beers up at his float. He was up on the float, kind of waved to him. They tossed two beers up, and he he uh, he did a little stone cold, smacked them together, and then did like a quick kind of chug, and then whipped them. 
It was pretty funny. That's awesome. Legendary stuff. I mean, Stone Cold just so iconic till this day it shows you. But um, exactly. yeah, what a good feeling story. I mean, you got Jokic and like Murray had that bubble opportunity. Murray ends up getting hurt and stuff. It kind of sidelines their whole season. Murray's then not back for over a year plus. And then, you know, people are saying, is he ever going to be the same? Meanwhile, you got Jokic becoming quietly one of the best players, not centers, players in the world. Yeah. Uh, and when I say quietly, I mean the numbers were in our face, but he's just – he's such a humble and down-to-earth guy that he doesn't bring that, like, sexy aura that, like, sports sure. fandom kind of likes. And so he kind of went under the radar for quite a bit when he shouldn't have been, which is awesome. But uh, it, it 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 is a unique thing to see in such a star. Um, but, man, yeah, then to see it all come to fruition this year uh, and them win and to see what that team's been through. Uh, I've been seeing a lot of funny topics about who's the greatest nugget of all time now. Is it Carmelo or is it him? They both happen to be number 15. Whose number's going to get retired? I mean, like, listen, I am a diehard Mellow fan. In 03, the peak of my childhood collecting, when that rookie set came out, mm -hmm. I didn't go after LeBron cards. You can laugh at me. I understand he was the big. I loved Carmelo. I grew up in Illinois. He was right, you know, Carmelo, the whole town, not that he was from Illinois, but right up the street. Like, yeah. it's just like, the, he, I loved him as a kid, so I was such a diehard fan. He was who I was chasing, but Jokic did it. Like, it doesn't matter how many years he's played there. I don't see Jokic leaving anytime soon. So even if he leaves at the tail end of his career, he did the damn thing. He yeah. won you your first ever championship. It doesn't matter if he did it as a second-year star or I think it's his sixth year or seventh year in the league yeah. or something. Mm -hmm. It's over. I, in in history of Denver players, I think Jokic now just unanimously has to be number one. Now, if you want to somehow try to be like, there's an art, like if you want to do Murray versus him, even though Murray was the number two guy, I mean, because of what, like, I think there's arguments there, stuff like that, or other Denver guys you want to talk about. But to me, I mean, Jokic just solidified himself, dude. And I don't think this team is going anywhere either. You got... Yeah, a young uh, freaking MPJ, Michael Porter Jr. With his back, I mean, I make all the jokes about him and I'll continue. But I mean, fuck, this kid can just, you know, kind of laugh in my face if he continues to stay healthy. You got a really solid player in him. Murray ain't getting no worse. He's getting better. Joker just keeps getting better every season. It's absolutely undeniably like just amazing it's like it's like how much better can this guy get yeah. and the team's young and they have money to spend like they can move around pieces and it's just man i think the nba landscape is getting interesting and we're in it for a treat the next couple of years i don't want to throw the dynasty word out but this could be a pre-dynasty we're seeing because i'm looking at basketball reference um which is showing me you know, the starting fives contracts. And these guys are taking care of Jokic, Murray, MPJ, Aaron Gordon, who was phenomenal in that last series, uh, and KCP. They're all taken care of until 
2025, yeah. where Murray is up and Pope is up. Um, so the next two to three years, and they could in, in between the next two to three years, they could extend these guys too. Next yep. two to three years, like dude, these guys are taken care of. So I, I I honestly think if these guys all stay healthy, specifically Murray again, and and obviously Jokic, like dude, <laughs> the West is is really really screwed, and the whole NBA really. Yeah, I think it's exciting. I think it's an exciting landscape. I think we're getting to see a glimpse of the future of what – I mean, this is another thing people don't talk about. I mean, maybe they do. I just don't hear it a lot. We're getting to a post-era of, like, the yesteryear. Like, we saw the, like, kind of like Shaq Kobe era and that and the Tim Duncan era and that stuff and, you know – you know, the stars of like Mello and, you know, John Wall and all yeah. those type of guys. And, you know, even Kawhi and LeBron and Paul George. And we're starting. What is the NBA going to look like in three or four years without these guys and these younger guys who are still in the league? We're getting to see the kind of the new faces pop up. Like, I'm not saying Jokic is going to be the fit because he's so humble. I don't know if he can fulfill that role like, is, is you know the post job. lebron yeah. carmelo d wade paul the guys Jordan, you expect we've gotten used to seeing in the finals they're no longer every there. year the playoffs the names we always talk about the consistency and now we're going to be hearing about the lucas and the uh bookers and the you know it kind all of those type of guys so in Cunningham. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cunningham. We're in re we're in rebuild year 10. Uh looking forward to year 10, seeing if we can you know, <laughs> 35, 40 games this year. Let's go, Piston. Don't worry, the Bulls have the deepest lineup in the NBA, you oh, know. Yeah. Real analytical brain over here giving you good intake. <laughs> oh god, yeah. My, my bulls are horrible, so let's not get there. Well, we'll give the NBA a little bit of a rest. Any, well, before we do, any wild predictions like who's going to win the championship? Like way too early to prediction type stuff. Way too early predictions. We'll just keep it real simple. Who's winning the championship next year? Way too early next year champion. Because I'm going to re-reel this next year. If you're right, mm -hmm. you're going to be like this, this wizard, this Nostradamus. Mm. You know what? I, I, this isn't a bold take. I think I think Denver's going to retake it. I really do. Wow. I think they have the talent, and that team looked like they're – I feel like we're in level one of how good they can be. Not Maybe not level one. If we're going to say there's five levels – like level two, I think give them another year of fully understanding all their roles. Now they have fit in Aaron Gordon. They fit in KCP. They, MPJ understands his role. Murray and Jokic are only going to have more time to play and really understand how to complement each other the best. This isn't a spicy cake role. I know it's not fun or sexy. Right. I think they're just going to take it up even a more notch. And I, here's a decent take I'll give you. I think they're a 65 plus team win team next year. Yeah. Wow. How many how many games did they win this year? Nugget. Um, that I don't wins. know. 
but it had to have been four. They had 53 this year. I think they could be a 65-plus win team next year. I mean, that. that's what that's my bold take. Not only are they going to win the championship, they're going to freaking dominate and easily take first place again. I think they'll be a 65. I think the Nuggets are going to be absolutely a team to be a nightmare of. That's, so that's so my guess how many guess how many games Jamal Murray played this year in the regular season? 65. 60, oh, 65. I was gonna say like 68 or something. Yeah, so right 65. there. I definitely think that helps within within the 53 games that they won for sure. Yeah. So that's um, my how about you, Alex? Who do you think? Um, you know, I think if if LeBron comes back, this is just like I don't even want to say this, but I want to give the spicy take. Um, but if LeBron comes back and he's able to somehow continue to play GM like he always does on every team, and he's able to make some kind of magic happen, I heard maybe D'Angelo Russell could move um, and a bunch of other moves. Dude, if he can get like two solid veterans to come on the team with him and Anthony Davis, dude, they could surprise the nuggets they could surprise them now they met in the playoffs and they got the shit blown out of them right but but you're LeBron saying there's going to be a big change that's the caveat is you're expecting be a big change they, LeBron they really, to do lebron things lebron doing lebron things and if if they figure that out they could be a surprise team next year so i'll say lakers next year let's they, go they just need the brood the way that i see it is they're gonna run into Jokic. They got to figure out how to stop them. Nobody really has. Like game two of the finals, um, they the the Heat kind of suppressed him a little bit in his passing. I saw he had like what was it four assists, which was like a low for him in the entire playoffs. And he's a center. The guy's got nine to eleven to twelve assists a game. It's, it's so stupid, insane. bro. But someone needs a bruiser, dude. Someone needs a bruiser to body this guy up, throw him off his game, get in his head, push him around. There's just nobody. Who can you think of, dude? You, think well, of you know what's funny? I actually heard this take from someone else. Shaq had that take. Shaq was saying for these type of guys, including himself, he said no one really could do it to him, but people tried, and it can. Is it's just not in this style of basketball, but there yeah, used to I'm be an old head. Team back in the nineties and eighties and early two thousands. And probably even you had one guy on the team and his whole purpose was whoever their best guy is. It doesn't matter if it's a center or a point, you just go out there and you make their life a living hell. You drag on them, you lean on them. You, yeah. you might commit a sloppy fail and get them just mad, just on purpose. Like where you push them and they get a little, you just you're in mind slash physical game on them to try to throw them off. And he really did recommend that. I just don't think they had a guy because Adebayo's yeah. tough and strong, but you can't risk him being – he's too important yeah. to have him throwing unnecessary fouls or putting himself. So, yeah, I think uh, that would be smart, but it's just not really in this style of play anymore. But I agree uh, with you wholeheartedly. I mean – if you can't stop a guy, I mean, you really just got to, you got to find the plan, right? So like, yeah, you got to find a way to really throw him I know, And I know that Adam Silver, I don't want to be too much more on this topic, but I know Adam Silver does not like that style of basketball at all. He says it suppresses guys that aren't really hard nosed. It suppresses their finesse talent, you know? So he wants like, kind of like 
he wants high scoring basketball. He wants finesse basketball. He wants, he wants viewership. Highlight marketability and it is what it is. It it's is a business. Is. People don't like to hear it, but NBA is a business, and that yep. is what it is. Yep. What's we'll the next see, topic? We'll see if we get back to the land of bruisers. I'd love to see someone body him up and just and see how he can adjust because he would be a guy to adjust to that. I think Jokic. He's smart. He's smart. I love. He's him. really smart. But moving on. Um, so if you've listened this far, we appreciate it. For one, we don't have a guest on today, so this is back and forth banner between I and Jordan. Uh, exclusively here on the uncut sheets. Thank you guys. Uh, we appreciate, appreciate you more it more than you know. Next on the list, we have uh, Panini. Panini, the headquarters were broken into, uh, like a specific office was broken into. Literally, yes. someone carved a hole in the wall and climbed through this hole in order <laughs> to get to some computers. I mean, this is something out of the fucking movies, right? Like, Literally. Yeah. Like, could this even be it, – it, it, it's not like a, a scripted kind of deal. Like some James Bond shit was, like, yes. in the walls. What the fuck? Someone knew where the value was, specifically knew where the value was, which I'll later reveal. Made the hole, got through, got what they wanted, and left. And it's – Unbelievable. Apparently, they're saying – so this was from Dan the Cardman, I believe, posted this, so you know, for reference. He said that it was data that was stolen from computers, which data, as we all know, is very, very valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm assuming, and this is just for, for wordplay here, I'm assuming that this data was, we'll just say it, it was the Panini database. Anybody who's ever bought cards from Panini, Anybody who's ever uh, worked with Panini directly, your your LCSs, your consumers, your people who have bought NFT packs on Panini, mm. dude, you've got multiple layers of data on there. People who have just visited the website because you can cookie those. Um, I mean, there's just it sounds like their security risk is very high, and this is. For all our guests who don't know, this is also something Alex works in outside of Uncut Sheets is yeah. online security and stuff like that, correct? Mm-hmm. Or like somewhat very, form of it. Very fluent with online security and, and IP and what you can do with data. So, I mean, these criminals are probably either one, going to be quick and just sell it. I don't even want to talk about who they would sell it to. Yeah, I no. I don't yeah, want to get there. Um, or to use it themselves. And if they use it themselves, they must have a product or something that fits this particular niche, the collector's niche. I don't know, though. It it more so, to me, sounds like if if, if I'm going in and I'm I'm doing all that, I'm just selling it to another company and a competitor, whoever that may be. I don't know. Um, But anyways... Just pretty wild and out of it's like out of a movie, right? Like it's unbelievably sad, you know. That it, it sucks because you know, I, I get it. People will laugh and be like, Oh, why is it sad? It's sad because it's gotten to a point where like we all love this hobby and care about it, but there's so much money in it now yeah. that corruption is a real paying job in this business, and it sucks. That's what's sad because like, do I feel horrible? Listen, I love Panini, I think they're a great company. They've made a lot of cool cards and sets, but they're a huge corporation. I'm sure they'll bounce back. And 
it is a real blow and I get that. I'm not taking it lightly, but it sucks that like corruption has really became a paying job in this hobby because of what things are worth and where this has gone. And uh, when you love something, you don't want shit to get weird. So I love cards. I love this hobby. I plan to be in it for a very long time. So when you hear shit like this, it just, it's not, it doesn't feel good. So hopefully everyone's data is protected and, you know, everything gets sorted out. And uh, yeah, that's about all I have on it because I'm not really that educated. But one second, Jordan, I'm getting a call right now. Hello. Yeah. Oh, oh, where did you get my number? Okay, no. (laughs) Okay, dude. I don't want to buy screw down holders. What the heck? No, thank you. (laughs) Trying to sell me screw down holders. What the heck? Those are so (laughs) odd. Oh shit! Panini leaks. Leaks. But anywho, uh, last topic. We're actually going to bounce back to the NBA. Um, okay. We never talked about this last time. The Spurs have the number one pick. They're obviously going to pick Wemby. Uh, any early predictions on Wemby? What he's going to do? What do you What do you think? Are you a fan of how he does play? I so I'm not going to like. This is one where I can defer a little bit. I don't know a lot about Wembenyana. I've heard all the hype. I know people are obsessed. I feel like now that I've been in the hobby a little bit longer and I saw what the effect is, I saw the Zion effect. It feels a lot like the Zion, at least from feel. It doesn't mean he's going to be Zion. He might be 100 times better. He might be 100 times worse. I'm not judging his on-court talent. I'm just telling you. If you were right there before the pre-2019 boom and when Zion was coming in and all the hype behind him and then what proceeded to happen with his cards and where we're at now, this feels like a Zion boom effect kind of happening. Does that mean that if you get in early and you hit some of his best cards and even though they're super over, maybe he plays to his full potential and they triple I'm, I don't know. I'm not here to speculate on that. But everything that I hear and see, the kid's ultra-talented. A lot of people are high on him. Um, I would just say be careful. It feels a lot like the Zion effect. I don't know what's going to happen or, you know, but it, it, I, we've seen this We've seen this kind of song and dance before. Don't you feel kind of the same way a little bit or do you agree mm-hmm. at all? Yeah, no, definitely. I I like the comparison to Zion. Like they, you know, they everybody wants that superstar. Everyone wants somebody to just pop in the league and just take over. And he has that hype. So you can either see it to where it's like a Zion, where he currently is, where he's struggling, where the whole world is on his shoulders, or you could see it the other way, where he ends up turning into like a Jokic, where it's like he is in this position where he's a center. And all of a sudden, this guy has every single talent possibly imaginable. I still am not a fan of the weight. I'm just not a fan of the body style. And I'm not yeah. body shaming by any means. How dare you? That's all I'm really not. I just think naturally at the center position, he can dribble. Definitely. Guy can out dribble. Here's the thing. A point he guard. can do everything a point guard can do. 
But as you just stated, when you're in the NBA, you have these dudes who are just, I mean, what is he, what is Wemby going to do? I don't care how agile, if he can shoot a fadeaway, Kobe style three in between spin around sky hook jump. What is he going to do against Embiid? When Embiid turns his back to Wemby. Oh yeah. And you know, fucking just go play big man ball. What is Wemby going to do? Like you get like against those type, like what is he going to do? Yeah, I think his best. It just feels best. like it, that's a nightmare for this kid at at this point. He needs to put on, I don't even know, thirty pounds plus of muscle. He's got to have a little bit of a post game. I know we're in a three point era right now, and Wemby's going to be probably sitting around the three point line and out on the wings. He's essentially like a small forward stuck in a center's body, you know, because that's the game the small forward brings, in my opinion. Because there's no power to him. I haven't seen any power. And, and I, I just hope, don't want to the center who can't play yeah. defense. Right. I, I get that we're in this new age, but like that's why Jokic is Jokic. Because right. he can drop 30 on offense and he's a fucking anchor in yeah. the paint. Like that guy will freaking destroy. Like he is a menace to deal that's with the why he's a world champion. So like it, it just I I've never I understand these these uh seven foot go or I mean unicorn type players are yeah. always just salivating and here's the hard thing as a GM I do understand as a GM everyone's terrified to say that because if you're the guy who passes on Wemby and he ends up flourishing that's a job costing factor right mm-hmm. there if like uh-huh. because it doesn't matter if he busts if he busts Everyone goes, well, you had to take him because you had to. But if you pass up on Wemby because you're like, oh, I'm worried about his knees or his size or his length or any of like injury prone or this, not saying he is, just what people say about tall, lanky people. Uh, And he ends up being a star or one of the greatest of all, you're losing your job. It's just, that's how the GMs work. So it's a tough situation. I would just say, be careful as a collector with Wemby. But I also understand the hype. He's fun. He's an insanely talented prospect. And uh, just collect responsibly, as goofy as that sounds. Just I wouldn't be going ape wild or hog shit wild. Like, you know, I would just kind of, you know, do what you do. Yeah. But you So know. Wemby, are you saying Wemby, boom, or bust? I think he's talented enough going to be talented enough offensively we'll give him a boom but it's kind of i know this is a ca- it's a caveat boom as in i don't think he will be shit his first two years defensively and okay. i think he'll get bullied a ton and he'll be a guy that could give up 25 plus every night to your center but he's going to be so dangerous offensively i'll go with boom i'm going to say boom wemby boom what do you feel i'm going wemby bust I'm not, not a fan. Not a fan of Wemby. Not a fan of the body style. I was hoping the Pistons, who had the worst record, thought they would get number one pick. I was hoping if they did, obviously that was that was the lock, right? Wemby that they were gonna, you know, send his pick elsewhere and pick up a vet. Just not a Wemby fan. Um, I mean, LeBron even said it himself. He looks, he's got insane talent. There's no doubt about that. But it's almost like alien-like, right? It's just so foreign to us that I'm not sold on 
on him fitting in in the NBA. He's doing his thing overseas right now, no problem. But there's just nobody that can match up with him. Whereas the NBA, you put him in against even the bottom five teams. There's a matchup for him, ready and waiting to body him. So here I go with the bodying, the old head, old school crap. Hey, I I, I feel you. I like that style of play. I yeah. miss it. I wish there were a bunch of Embiid's and Shaq's and, uh, you know, uh, Ewing's and like just – I want big ball centers. Pause. <laughs> oh, you do. Pause. Pause. Where's the red flag? Uh, the red flag. I, want, I want hardball. Like, you know, like I want like big boys and like, the, you know, that like I go take the paint. Yeah. Raise my hand. I turn my back. Pass me that fucking ball. And I'm going to go destroy these motherfuckers. I want that style back. I just think we are so far removed. Steph Curry changed the game. It's yes. one of the reasons I rate him at a certain way on my all-time list because I think you get an extra boost when you're one of the few guys who actually changed the game. I mean, go look at high school games. Kids are shooting half-court shots back-to-back -back for 20 minutes straight, not one layup. Yeah. Like, this guy has fully – so I just think the style has gone so far from what that is, but I do wish – I agree with you. I wish we could go back to that style of play. Well, history, it, it awesome. history tends to repeat itself, so it may take some time. Could be 10, 20 years from now. Who knows? But we'll see. We'll see. There's guys like Shaq that changed the entire league where guys had, you know, teams had to draft all these big men to compete with him. And then now the game's really spread out, like you said, with Steph Curry and all of these teams drafting all these wing players to figure out or to shoot just as good as him. It's it's pretty insane how the game changes. Um I think a lot of it also has to do with league rules and and who's at the helm. You know, before you had um, David Stern, now it's Adam Silver, who who does enjoy the um, the more the more high scoring, less defensive game, more marketability there. So hundred percent, hundred percent. But yeah, that will definitely do it for our show, uh, Jordan. Any any closing arguments? No, I just real quick, I want to say thank you to all our fans. I know we've been uploading more episodes and we've been really enjoying this and the growth and people following, supporting everybody rating our podcast, which please continue to go do on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, all that cool things. It, it truly means the world to me and Alex. And uh, I just couldn't thank you guys enough. It really, really means a lot. And uh, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. So, yeah, make sure to follow Uncut Sheets, The Uncut Sheets on Instagram. Like and subscribe to our podcast, all places you can find podcasts. And just thank you to our fans. I really, really appreciate you. You guys are the best. Um, I love doing this. I love talking. I love that. A hundred plus of you idiots are willing to listen to my dumb ass talk every week. So yeah, I just wanted to thank all our fans, Alex. I really, really appreciate everyone. And I appreciate you. You're the best bud. So I can't wait gotcha. to keep doing this for a long, long time. We've got good flow and uh, we'll have a lot of cool announcements, a lot of cool, awesome, intriguing, like guests that no other podcasts 
have had, which is which is cool. There's a lot of stuff brewing, so stay tuned. And I couldn't have said it better than myself. We'd like to thank all of you for listening, and thank you for listening to another episode of the Uncut Sheets. Hi guys. Bye.